Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. On Wednesday, September 13th, a shooting occurred at Percy Warner Park. The victim was a German shepherd named Duke. It is important to note that Duke was not on a leash, but his owner said he had an electronic collar or e-collar on that day. It appears that Duke was chasing a squirrel, as dogs are known to do. Moments later, this call was placed to emergency services. It's horrible. I shot somebody's German shepherd. They got too close. They didn't have it on a leash. I didn't know they had it on a shot collar. I had to shoot somebody's dog. Okay. And I don't know what the right thing is to do, but to call it in. That was the shooter of Duke explaining what just happened. In comments to the authorities, the shooter, who is going unnamed, claimed that Duke was aggressive when he approached. Authorities claim he shot Duke three times. Witnesses say they heard more than three shots fired. At this moment, the authorities have not pressed charges against the shooter, but Duke's owners have lost a beloved friend, and questions about animal rights and gun ownership and park safety have come to the fore. To get a better understanding of what happened that day, I'd like to introduce my first guest. Ariana Kaufman was a witness to the shooting. Ariana, thanks for being here, and welcome to This is Nashville. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So can you tell us where you were on the morning of September 13th? Yeah, I was on the stairs of Percy Warner Park, uh, near near the very top. Is do you go to the park regularly during that time? Uh, yeah, I was trying to go at least five days a week uh, to go running in oh. the mornings. Okay, so tell me, and... you're, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Continue. Oh, no, no. No, go for it. No. So, so you're there five days a week to go running. Tell me, like, what are some of the things you're used to seeing when you visit Percy Warner Park? Uh, I'm used to seeing tons of dogs. Uh, I'm used to seeing children running around, a lot of families, uh, a lot of lone women hiking. Um, it's just a, a family Park. It's kind. Of, it's kind of the dog park. I feel like just. I I usually see off leash dogs. I usually I bring my dogs with me every day, but that day I didn't bring my dogs. So um, you see a lot of dogs. You call it a big dog park. Um, yeah. Did you see the German Shepherd named Duke there? Yeah. He. Um, when I was walking down the stairs, he was to the left of me digging in the grass and trotting around and um he looked like a big sweetie so i called him over and started loving on him and he was just really sweet and happy and having the best time were his owners around then yeah they were about 10 feet in front of me okay and he's just a sweet dog loving on you a complete and total stranger so yep Tell me, what do you remember happening next? Um, he kind of dashed off to the right side because there was probably a squirrel around. And uh, and then he, I guess he went behind me because the man who shot him was 10 to 20 feet behind me. And so that was about a, a minute later after petting him uh, uh, when he was shot. 
how many gunshots did you hear? I heard six. Six gunshots. How did you react when you heard those gunshots? Oh, I I was completely shocked. I thought someone was throwing um, little firecrackers at me. Um, I, and then I turned around and I saw a man with a gun out and um, Duke, the dead, he was dead and, and the man kept shooting him. Um, you're you're, you're saying, just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Are you, are you saying um, that Duke was shot and was late, was on the ground and the shooter continued to shoot Duke while he was on the ground? Yes. Hmm. How did you react when you saw that? Oh, um, I was completely horrified. And I remember the owners of Duke uh, made eye contact with me and we just looked at each other and then looked at the man. Um, I mean, for me, I just remember thinking, oh, oh my God, is he going to start shooting us now? Um, and just being in just trying to be as still as possible and almost disappear. It was really frightening. What did the man do? He, he just was very calm and collected. And um, he, he just stood there and the owners of the dog, I think because he still had his gun out, obviously they didn't want to just run up to him. Um, stood still and just said, did you shoot my dog? And he calmly said, yeah. And then they asked, did you kill my dog? And he just said, he got too close. And then he just started walking down the stairs like nothing had happened. He was so nonchalant about the whole thing. We got a message from Brett Kling, who DM'd us, and he says, quote, he just wanted, he is referring to the shooter. He just wanted mm -hmm. to shoot something, end quote. Did you get this sense from the shooter? Absolutely. Um, I think going, running or hiking alone, uh, usually our awarenesses are heightened. Um, and normally I don't get a weird feeling from anyone, but I remember when I got to the top of the stairs, he was sitting up there and I, I felt so uncomfortable and I felt like something, something's not right. Um, and so I wanted to get away from him. So I started walking down the stairs and, um, but he was just right behind me and speaking with a lot of other women that were there that day that were running said that they had passed him before and felt very uncomfortable by his presence. Something just seemed very off. Tell me, how has this incident impacted you? Oh, um, greatly. I, I'm now at the point where I can go running and not be completely paranoid by every man I pass on the street. I, It's yeah, I, I, I really I'm I have a hard time going back to Percy Warner um, and walking down the stairs and not looking behind my shoulder. I worry about 
um, because I have a shepherd and, um, and I think, gosh, if someone, even if she's on a leash, um, if she looks like she's getting too excitable, now will someone shoot her because they think I might not be able to handle her because they're afraid of what could happen. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely affected how I move through the world now. I do want to make clear that the man who shot Duke says the dog was aggressive when he approached. He's claiming he shot the dog in self-defense. Defense. But a lot of people who frequent Percy Warner Park are concerned about this incident. The park is in District 20, which is represented by State Senator Heidi Campbell, and she joins us now. Senator Campbell, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. What was your reaction when you heard about the shooting? Oh, gosh, I was devastated. I, you know, I have dogs. I love dogs. I grew up in Nashville. This is in my district. It's you know, a place where people go to enjoy being in the outdoors and um, to clear their heads and to, to think that you would have to worry about having your dog shot in a place like that is is more than alarming. Moreover, I've heard from so many of my constituents who are who are just really upset about this still. Um, you know, it's not something that's just going to go away um, because it, what it has revealed is, you know, not only a, a weakness in, in our laws and, um, and protections, but also it, you know, informs people that might be inclined to do this sort of thing that this is a possibility that they can do this. So it's, 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 I, I'm really, um, really sorry to hear about um, what Ariana went through because um, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of, um, you know, a traumatic experience for for the people who are there, and quite frankly, um, has had a chilling effect on people taking their dogs to the parks and going to the parks. Have you seen a decrease in people taking their dogs to Percy Warner Park? Yes, um, anecdata, which you know is not a real word, but yeah. you know what it means mm-hmm. um, of. You know, just hearing from people and going myself. I go walking in the park all the time. As a matter of fact, just today, I took my dog for a walk. Um, I'm not seeing as many people with dogs. I think people are worried about bringing their dogs to parks because of this incident. How has this impacted you personally? As you know, I mean, you're you're a state senator who represents the district, but it's also your home. These and are, you're a dog lover. Exactly. I mean, this is these are our family members. You know. This um, this question that we're struggling with, along with many other questions right now in our society, and especially in the state of Tennessee, I think really comes down to how we define freedom. And I believe that we should have the freedom to go to a park and walk our dogs and you know take our children without having to worry about getting shot. To me, that's what freedom is. Um, I have colleagues in the legislature who define freedom differently, and that's you know that's really at the root of what we're what we're struggling with here. I understand that, but like looking at this incident, the dog was off leash, leash which is against park policy. Yeah. Um, the, the, and the city has a law against gun possession at public parks. However, in 2015, the state legislature passed a law that allows permit holders to be armed at any state park, including greenways, playgrounds and sports fields. You mentioned how concerned you are with safety and your constituents with safety. But, you know, how as a representative and a Nashvilleian, how are you? trying to respond to those concerns, given the state of where the laws are right now? It's difficult. I mean, you know, guns and parks definitely um, enabled this. And then, of course, we have open carry. So this is a state where really 
you're free to carry a gun anywhere. And, you know, when you're free to carry a gun, you can use it, especially in this instance where if you are able to claim that you were being attacked and you felt threatened, you're allowed to kill somebody else's dog. Now the threshold of being able to define, you know, prove whether or not you were threatened is is pretty low. So, I mean, I think that I don't I don't think I don't think that there's a um a lot that you can do about that. And so it it really, you know, means that I think people need to be careful to have their dogs on leashes and, and these sorts of environments just in case. Is this something you think may be addressed in the next next legislative session? There's nothing um in in um in what I've seen that indicates that there's gonna be any kind of movement on gun control. Um as far as animal safety goes we are, you know, the Animal Defense Fund, we're sort of dead in the middle in, in terms of, of how we treat animals in this state, um, which in my opinion means we need to do much, much better. Um, and I believe that our, our dogs are our family members and um, that, that you should not just be able to shoot somebody else's dog um, so easily. But, um, you know, it's very, very hard to, um, to move things like that through this particular legislature, given the political makeup. How can Tennessee do better for animal rights? Well, I think in general, not looking just at what the laws are, but looking at how we're treating each other as human beings is where we we need to start. I Mm. mean, in the final analysis, we're community. And... um, and that's definitely the case at, at parks like Percy Warner and parks in Nashville. And so I think that it's the the onus is on all of us to be keeping an eye out and to be creating a community and messaging a community where this is not acceptable to us. And, you know, this radio show, for example, is a great way of getting the word out for uh, people like Ariana who experience that and, and do not feel okay about it and add me to that list. Now, Ariana, you're part of a movement called Justice for Duke that's been active on social media. Have you spoken to the owners of Duke? Yes, I've I've spoken with uh, one of the family members. What have they said to you? That they are um, completely distraught. Um, I know one of them, it's it's really affected their mental health. and and their fear levels. So, yeah, I think that it's just really had a a negative impact on anyone involved. What's next for the Justice for Duke group? Um, I think they're trying to get more witness statements out to the DA and police department. I'm not I'm not in in charge of justice for Duke, so I'm not sure of all their plans, but I see that they're also having people sign petitions and um, having people that knew Duke make videos about what kind of dog he was. Uh, and so it's just become more of like a, a community building platform, mm-hmm. really, you know, for I, people that, you know, it's, you know, it sounds to me, the tone of your voice that wow. you're, you really have been impacted deeply by all this. How, how are you planning to move forward? Um, I'm, I feel very lucky. I have a a good therapist and, um, I, I'm just, 
I don't know. I, I, I want to do something positive with this. Um, I, I just, I'm from Nashville originally, but I've been gone 15 years and I just moved back two months ago. And, um, so now I just want to get more involved, um, with the Nashville community and gun control laws and this sort of thing. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to really speak with us. I know it had to be difficult for you, as I'm sure it's difficult for the owners of Duke. Ariana Kaufman's a dog lover who was a witness at the shooting that happened on September 13th at Percy Warner Park. Ariana, thank you again for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And Senator Heidi Campbell will stick with us through the break. When we come back, we'll talk more widely about dog ownership with an expert dog trainer. We'll also talk with a columnist about gun possession and dog ownership. And as always, you can join the conversation and share your comments by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Lele Colonna, and this is Nashville. We've been talking about the shooting incident that happened on September 13th at Percy Warner Park, where a German shepherd named Duke was shot and killed by a man who claims that Duke was acting aggressive. Before the break, we heard from a witness to the shooting. We also heard about the impact the shooting has had on people who frequent Percy Warner Park. Now let's hear from a local columnist to get his thoughts on the shooting. Will McGuire is a musician who wrote an opinion article in the Tennessean about the shooting. Will, thank you for being here and welcome to This is Nashville. Good morning. And so when you heard about the shooting, tell me, how did you react? Well, first thing anyone would feel is outrage at the, at the loss of a dog. You know, in Tennessee, People love their guns, for sure, but they love dogs even more, I think. Um, there's a saying that, that uh, you might hear around here, that there are only three things in the South that give you unconditional love, Jesus, your mama, and your dog. Hmm. And uh, I think this really made people, particularly in Nashville, uh, have to decide which is more important to you? You're uh, a, a living creature, a dog that waits for you by your door at night when you come home from a hard week, or your gun. It's a hard choice for many Southerners, but I think most would come down on the side of a canine amendment rather than a second amendment. What motivated you to speak out about this? I'm a writer, and pretty much anything that I, when I start to feel something, it starts to come out on, uh, through my uh, fingers onto my laptop. You know, in your opinion piece for the Tennessean, you wrote, quote, ask any Tennessean which they love more, their guns and their dogs, and there'll be a long pause. You might be able to pry out an answer eventually, but the truth is in the South, both are kind of a third rail. Touch either, and you'll end up regretting it. Talk to me more about what you mean by this. Well, I was a little bit concerned that people wouldn't understand about what a third rail is. I lived for some time in New York City, uh, and there's a saying up there that... Uh, the subways run on three rails. The third rail is electrified. And uh, the, the saying in New York is, uh, if you touch Social Security in politics, it's like killing yourself. If you touch somebody's dog in the South, you might as well, you're, you know, you're going to be in for a fight. 
I understand that the the uh, man involved in the shooting, the shooter, is a, a newcomer, and newcomers are welcome in Tennessee, particularly in Nashville. But there's something that's been going on recently. I'd say in the last couple of years, and that's and that's this that um, our state house with the supermajority has decided to enact a series of laws that might be called a a kind of mega utopia. And it's attracting many different uh, political extremists from around the country who want to come here. And I suspect, although I don't know, that this shooter may be one of the ones who have who has come here and thought he can pull out a gun and shoot a, 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 a dog on a sunny afternoon if he feels threatened and, and there would be no repercussions. I mean, I, 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 I hear where you're coming from, but the, the shooter did say that he was concerned for his own safety, that the dog potentially, he was worried that he was going to be attacked. The Duke was off leash, which is against public regulations. By no means am I saying that that's cause and reason to shoot the dog, but you know, his, his owners claimed that he had an e-collar on. And but I'm I'm questioning like if that's the same thing as a leash. Fortunately, my next guest is here to kind of help clear up the air on this. Abigail Hindman is a dog trainer and owner of Darkwood Dog Training. Abigail, thanks so much for joining us. And yeah, thanks for having me. Can I ask you real quick about an e collar and a dog leash? The dog sure. Duke Duke who was shot was off of a dog leash, which is against the regulations. Yet. You know, he had an e collar on. Is that as effective as a dog being on a leash? So, with a remote training collar, also known as an e collar, a dog is is given um, something called a, a stimulation. So, the old e collars of yore used to use electric shock. The name stuck, but it doesn't do that anymore. So, it's basically just a mu- muscle stimulator similar to a TENS unit if you've ever been to a chiropractor. So what that does is depending on the collar and the number on the, the remote that the owner is holding, it will deliver a certain level of stimulation to the dog's neck. And that can result in a dog turning, you know, and, and coming back to you. Um, but it is what we call a non-directional correction, meaning that if the dog hasn't had proper training or even if the dog is in a very heightened state. So if, like in this case, Duke was chasing a squirrel, the number on the dial or the level of simulation might not have been enough to to make an impact on on Duke's desire to get to that squirrel. Now, so, it, sorry, go ahead. Continue. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, so, in a lot of in a lot of ways, the, the e collar can be substituted for a leash, but just like a leash, it is not a fail safe. There are moments when dogs can break leashes. There are moments when dogs can and will, you know, ignore a correction. Just like if you yell at your dog, sometimes they quote unquote hear you and sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, So unfortunately, dogs, dogs are not always going to come back. Now, we got a tweet by Johnny who says, quote, more than 4.5 million people are bitten by dogs each year in the United States and more than 800,000 receive medical attention for dog bites, according to the U.S. Centers of Disease Control, the CDC. At least half a dozen of those, at least half of those bites, pardon me, are children, end quote. And then he goes on to say, yes, I will shoot your dog. You know, that's Johnny's opinion that he shared on Twitter. Abigail, how do you 
respond to that tweet? Yeah, I mean, anytime a dog is coming at you, your instinct is going to be to defend yourself. Um, unfortunately, we live in a state where usually that first line of defense for people is a gun. Um, I personally have been bit, but, you know, it's nine times out of ten, it's the handler or the or the, the person's fault, not the dog's fault. There are times when attacks are going to happen from a dog that is chemically unbalanced. Um, but usually there are a lot of warning signs before a bite actually takes place. And in, in this situation, it doesn't sound like there was enough time given to see any of those warning signs. A dog was running, a dog got shot, a dog died. What are some of the warning signs people can be aware of or should be aware of? Yeah, um, a lot of people aren't aware that the first sign of a dog being uncomfortable has to do with their eyes, not their teeth. Um, so eye contact in dogs is super powerful. It's either an invitation for a conversation, which is what usually dogs want to have with their owners and people they know, that little, you know, puppy dog eye staring lovingly at you, um, or it's an invitation for a confrontation. If you think about how a border collie works, for example, they're moving those sheep with their eyeballs mostly. They're staring them down and they're making them back up. So it's the same situation with uh, dogs that are uncomfortable. They will, if they're, you know, really uncomfortable, a lot of times they'll, they'll actually take their eyes out of the situation. They'll pretend you don't exist. So you can look for subtle signs like that, uh, you know, as far as eye contact is concerned, but also a dog being really stiff in their body language. A, a very obvious sign is their hair going up. Um, but dog bites in the home with children usually happen because no one is seeing that the dog is uncomfortable, not from a dog that's just flat out aggressive and, and attacking for no reason. We got another tweet again from Brett Kling. He says, quote, when your only tool is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, end quote. Will, what's your take on this? I think he's dead right. If you put a gun in your pocket and uh, a uh, someone's bothering you, a dog comes down, a, a bird flies too close, you take out the hammer because it's the closest solution. By the way, there was a shooting, I understand, at a, or not a shooting, but a man pulled a gun out at a football game because he thought his son was, uh, was hit too hard in the game. He was wrestled to the ground. That's the hammer that you carry in your pocket. It's... People are reaching for it a little bit too quickly. Yeah. Now, to move the conversation a little bit onto e-collars, you know, there's a lot of trainers out there who don't use these e-collars. There's local trainer and animal behaviorist Nikki Ivy. She was not able to join us, but she shared us a few of her thoughts on the incident. My name is Nikki Ivy. I'm a canine behavior specialist, and I own Dog Speak in Nashville. I think many owners choose to use an e-collar because I think they feel their dog is getting more freedom. But I just don't think that an e-collar is a good replacement for a leash in these situations. So e-collars are used to correct a dog for making a wrong decision. Uh, the handler typically has a remote control that when a dog makes the wrong decision, they can uh, send a shock to the dog's neck to correct them for that. I do not agree with the use of shock collars as it uses uh, punishment as the main driving force to teach behavior. We want to keep our dogs close to us so that we can uh, give them direction when they 
encounter something that they're not familiar with. This world can be a crazy place and dogs are not built to deal with all the things that they may find in our environment. So it's our responsibility to make sure that we're there to be their tour guide in situations to keep them safe as well as to keep the people around us comfortable. It's hard to say if this would have happened if a dog had been on leash instead of an e-collar. I think that many people are very quick to react, especially in this day and age. Because we can't control others and we don't know what they're going through or what's happening, we need to make sure that there is one thing that we can control, and that is our dog, and that is to keep them safe. Now, Abigail, you two obviously differ on whether e-collar should be used at all, but I can see common ground between you two. Would you recommend using an e-collar or a leash at a park like Percy Warner? Yeah, the thing about dog trainers, the thing about dogs really is they can learn in a million different ways. So I definitely, you know, have a disagreement about the tool, the e-collar. But in this case, in this park, I definitely agree with Nikki. Um, you know, there there are times when your job is to is less to give your dog the more freedom and more to advocate for your dog. And in a park like Percy Warner, where you never know who you're going to meet up with, it's a tourist area. There are lots of people with strollers and kids of varying ages and varying degrees of, of acceptance of dogs. Um, there are also other people's dogs, and you just quite frankly don't know those people's backgrounds either or their dogs. So it's just safer to follow those leash laws when they're in place. Um, it, if you want to continue to be able to use the park systems, you have to follow the rules. And in Tennessee, I don't know of any state park off the top of my head that allows dogs to be off leash. Now, today, Senator he Heidi Campbell is still with us. Senator Campbell, again, thank you for sure. being here. Yeah, great to be here. You know, our pets, in our case, our dogs are parts of our lives and our families. And animal rights is kind of important to talk about. We spoke a little bit about that before the break. You know, how do you want to see the state move forward on protecting animal rights? You said we're kind of in the middle right now. There's a lot more we can be doing. Yeah. How? Well, I mean, we have a lot of dogs that um, are abused in our state, and we have dogs that don't have homes, and um, we don't do a good job um, as far as I'm concerned, although, I, as I said, we're in the middle of, um, of taking care of not just dogs, but I'm also um, legislatively concerned with, you know, CAFOs and animal, all kinds of animal rights. Um, and that's something that I will continue to pursue this legislative session. We're looking at whether or not we can actually um, write any legislation that would address something like this. Um, right now, it's not looking like anything's emerging, but I would always love to hear from people in the community if you have ideas for legislation that would address something like this. Um, I will also point out that um, it's, it's important to note that there's fear in these situations that extends beyond just that action. You know, we heard... Um, Ariana say earlier that her instant thought when this happened was whether or not she was going to be shot. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, what's to keep somebody from pulling out a gun, as, as, as Will just said, at a, at a game and, you know, and shooting somebody? Um, when something like this happens, of course, we have to think about that. And, um, you know, if somebody is scared of dogs, maybe they shouldn't go to a dog park. I understand that. Um... You know, I don't want to get too much into a gun rights debate, but, you know, people have expressed concerns for safety and the fact that guns are legal in our public parks. 
How can we all learn from this moment, Senator? You know, I think that it's important for us to have um, discussions about gun rights. Um, and I know we don't want to make this about gun rights, mm -hmm. but in the final analysis, um, our, our gun regulations in this state are out of control. And of course, we saw that in my district with the Covenant shooting as well. And um, so this is, you know, uh, while we would not like to make it all about that, unfortunately, that's just a huge part of it. How can, I mean, question for you, do you think this is an issue that's specific for Nashville, but all of Tennessee and middle Tennessee? I, I can only imagine that people who live in rural Tennessee have guns, they love their guns, and they love their dogs, like Will is saying. I'm sure they're confronted with issues about this as well. Well, you know, and this is an interesting argument that you have around urbanism and rural and, and rural dispositions, because... In rural areas, I think it's true that, you know, people generally know each other pretty well. And if they're using their guns for hunting, it's just a part of the culture. It's a part of, you know, how you grow up. And it's a little bit different when you're talking about a city that's as big as Nashville and you have a lot of people coming from a lot of different places with who knows what kinds of, you know, emotional issues they're dealing with. And if they have a loaded weapon at the time when they're feeling the wrong way about something, something bad can happen. And it's just not the same situation as when you're in a much less crowded and rural environment as, you know, when you have lots and lots of people in an urban setting. Now, you know, it's my opinion, not one of this is Nashville or Nashville Public Radio. I've, I think people need to have the right to protect themselves. And dog attacks are a very real thing. I'm curious about proper training and how that can decrease the chances of a dog attack happening. Abigail, just give us some proper training techniques that can help for any dog owner out there. Sure. I mean, I always start with... Consult a professional. I don't care if you use me. I don't care if you use somebody else. <laughs> as long as they have credentials and know what they're doing, dog training isn't just a one-time thing. It's not a one-time six-week course that you take. It is forever. Dogs, just like people, are constantly learning. And it takes constant practice to make sure that everything stays top-notch. Um, the important things to, think, to work on are your recall, which, you know, as exhibited in this case. It's not always foolproof, but you can practice it. Um, working on proper greetings of strangers, because again, not everyone is used to dogs coming right up to them. Um, so it's important to teach your dog that not everyone is here to see them. Working on impulse control. So things like deer and squirrels, they're everywhere in Tennessee. I, I can't tell you how many times on a walk near my house, I actively have to wait for deer to cross the path before I can continue with my dog. Um, sometimes people forget, you know, living closer to Nashville that wildlife exists. Uh, and that's a very real distraction for dogs. So practicing it before you need it is super important. Um, working on things like um, being okay with people with bikes passing by. Skateboards are a big trigger for a lot of dogs. It causes them to get really excited. And just knowing how to handle your dog in those situations what to do if your dog is too excited. Um, another thing that a lot of people don't consider is that it's okay if your dog doesn't like things. You don't have to force them into quote-unquote socialization. Um, if your dog is uncomfortable around other dogs, they don't need to go to a dog park or to doggy daycare. If they're uncomfortable with strangers touching them 95% of the time, 
it's okay to tell people they can't touch your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so advocating for your dog is really just as important as the training, you know, in general. Will, you had something you wanted to share. It seems odd to me that we would put the onus on a dog for impulse control. Hmm. I mean, we're the uh, we're the ones that have uh, conquered the earth, humanity. We're the ones that should take the responsibility when, when for the animals and, and those around us. Um, and I don't think that we're going to solve this anytime soon with laws in Nashville or in Tennessee. But most Tennesseans that I know know the difference between uh, a law on the law books and a sin. And most Tennesseans, I think, understand that shooting the dog is a sin. Moses had it wrong. He should have had an 11th commandment. Thou shalt never kill a dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, now, it, and if he had, maybe maybe more of us would, would uh, keep that gun in our pocket. Senator Campbell, we've got to go to break, but I want to give the last word to you. Well, I just wanted to say also um, that this dog was not posing a threat because he was, you know, we're playing with other people right before this happened. So while it's important to talk about those things, I want people to understand that this dog um, did not in any way, shape, or form indicate that he was a threat to anybody. Uh, Senator Heidi Campbell is state senator for District 20. Senator Campbell, again, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Will McGuire and Abigail Hindman will stick with us through the break. When we come back, we'll learn what steps people can take, the ones who own dogs in Nashville, in order to keep them safe, happy, and healthy. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at ThisIsNashville. We'll be right back. And this is Nashville. This hour, we've been digging into the recent killing of Duke, the German Shepherd in Percy Warner Park. This case is complicated legally with leash laws, animal rights laws, gun and weapon possessions laws, and public safety all coming into play. And in a dog-loving city like Nashville, many people are left wondering what can they do to keep their dogs safe if something like this happens to them. Still with us is Abigail Heinemann of Dogwood Dog Training and Will McGuire, columnist and musician. I want to thank you both for being here. and Thank you for being a part of this conversation. You know, Abigail, as we think about this, tell us, what do you feel is the safest way to enjoy nature with your dog? I think, you know... It's so difficult because we have so many dog-friendly spaces in Nashville, and it's great. I love taking my dog to, you know, dog nights at various sporting events. Um, But I think sometimes when we get to these spaces, we forget that we don't control the whole scenario. So, like, for example, when I take my dogs to spaces, I keep them on leash. Um, I try to be very aware of my surroundings because, yeah, they're dogs, and they're there to enjoy. They're there to sniff and whatever. So it's my job to be on the lookout for potential things like a person getting too close or what have you. Um, I I love taking my dogs to sniff spots. It's a great company that you can rent a, basically a private dog park. So there are a couple around Nashville that I utilize all the time for my own dogs to give them that time off leash where I don't have to worry about leash laws. I don't have to worry about them potentially getting shot, to be frank. 
Um, and I don't have to worry about anyone else's dogs bothering us because it's a privately owned scenario. So um, I highly recommend that to my, my clients and my friends. Um, but when I'm in spaces like Percy Warner Park or Centennial Park or anything where I know there's going to be a lot of strangers that I cannot control, I, I always have my dogs on a leash uh, because ultimately, unfortunately, even in a dog-loving state like this, the, the, the dog is always going to lose. In a dog bite situation, the dog is always going to lose. In a situation where the dog is off leash, the dog is always going to lose. And that's just a sad reality, but it is reality. I'm, you know, I'm thinking about how breed kind of comes into play here. A lot of people are intimidated by breeds like German Shepherds, Rottweilers, Pit Bulls, for instance. What advice do you have for people who own dogs that people tend to be more fear- fearful of? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple dogs that, that look very scary. Um, and it's it's unfortunate. But again, it comes down to us as people. I, no one likes it. But we have to advocate for our dogs and make sure that we're not putting them in situations where it could, you know, turn. Um, So if I'm out with my dog who looks like a wolf, I am that much more aware that people might be afraid of him on site. And so it is my job to make sure that they have no reason to be afraid of him. Um, And my friends, I have lots of friends with like pit bull mixes and things, and they're the sweetest dogs. Um, but it's just something you have to put in the back of your mind. You have to be hyper aware of, of the scenario. And in a case where there's any question about safety, again, the, the scary dog is going to lose. And if you think about what people see in the media about German shepherds or pit bulls or anything, if they're on a movie, they're on a TV show, those are always the villain's dogs. <laughs> Unless it's a soldier, those are the villain's dogs. And so that is what is seeped into the background of everyone's mind. So when they see these animals running, that's what they assume they're going to do. Even if the dog is doing nothing else but existing, that is where their brain goes back to, uh, you know, instinctually. In our society, there's a lot of negative stereotypes that we're attempting or at least recognizing that we need to erase and definitely some with dogs. I know a pit bull. His name is King. He is the sweetest dog I've ever met, and that is not hyperbole. He is the most well-behaved, sweetest dog. He's a lover. And, um, you know, I'm thinking of just how we need to kind of overcome and rethink how we're approaching dogs and dog ownership. We have another clip from Nikki Ivey of Dog Speak where she shares what she thinks the best path forward is. There are many lessons that we can take from this, and there are many things that pet parents can do to keep their dogs safe. Keep them on a shorter leash. Don't use retractables. Um, And I would even say keep your long leashes a little bit shorter when you are in an environment that uh, has a lot of public. Also, be sure that when you are coming close to areas where uh, there may be a curve or there are trees, bushes, make sure you have your dog always in view. Um, Have some good verbal control. Teach an emergency recall, which is basically a command to get your dog to come back to you immediately. Those can keep those dogs safe and get them out of situations uh, that are can be very dangerous for them. Because remember, we cannot control anything but our immediate environment, and that includes our dog. So try to keep the dog in your more inv- immediate environment so that you can keep them safe and direct them and dealing with situations that they may come across in this crazy world. You know, Will, you said that 
you know, we're kind of putting the onus on dogs to behave themselves. And where human beings are the ones who obviously are dropping the ball in this sense. You know, what imperative do we have as people to make sure that our dogs are trained properly, no matter the breed? Well, we have responsibilities for the, for anyone that's less than us, particularly our animals. If you would, if you want to think of it as a small child, you would protect your child. But, you know, I'd like to, for just a moment, talk to gun owners and dog owners out there. Um, you know, you guys, no one in Tennessee has ever buried a gun below beneath a live oak tree or blessed themselves every time they passed it. And no one ever had a gun waiting for them at their front door after a hard week. And no one ever had a gun curl up at their feet on a cold night. I want gun owners out there and all Tennesseans to understand that we have to put a live creature before our own uh, worries about the outer, the, about the rest of the world and how we might protect ourselves. Abigail, what's your response to that? Yeah, I mean, I obviously I'm I'm a dog lover, and I agree that we should be thinking more about the dogs and less about our guns. But I I'm aware that where we live, that is less likely to happen than than we would like. So to help my dogs and my clients' dogs stay safe, I'm going to continue to teach them to advocate for their pets. Um, just like Nikki said, being aware of your surroundings is so important. I can't tell you how many times I've walked past somebody with their dog and their dog is halfway around the corner of a street because they had it on one of those extended leashes, those flexies, and just weren't aware of their surroundings. Mm. And in that case, the dog on leash, so following the laws, but still very much at risk for anything that is happening out of that owner's sight. So, in order to keep my dog safe and in order to keep them, you know, home with me when I get home, um, I have to work. I have to advocate and I have to make sure that I'm doing the work, you know, before there's an incident so that at least I know I've done all that I can. And I'm for sure not saying that in this situation, Duke's owners did anything less than everything that they were supposed to, with the exception of the leash being on. But like I said before, that is not a guarantee. I've had dogs break leashes and run at me. So a leash is not a guarantee. So, uh, you know, sometimes everything goes wrong, and we just have to make sure that we do as much as we can to be prepared for when it does. Now, Johnny, who tweeted earlier, offers up an amendment to his earlier statement saying that he will shoot a dog. He says, quote, if it is posing an immediate threat of great bodily, bodily harm or death to someone. But he also says, shares this. He says, quote, honestly, every carrier, I assume he means gun carrier, should also carry OC spray. It's a highly effective option between a harsh word and a gun. Super effective on most animals. Abigail, briefly, what's your response to Johnny's tweets? Yeah, um, I think there needs to be more awareness of, of what an actual threat looks like um, for dogs. And, and honestly, it, in a space like a public park, I just personally can't see a, a reason to pull a gun. If we're talking about how close their civilians were to this, um, the, you, I would just don't know. 
I just don't know of anyone who I would feel comfortable pulling a gun in that scenario that's not a, a trained super marksman um, that you just can't guarantee that that emotions aren't going to get in the way and bullets fly in places they're not supposed to. So I just, you know, I understand the need, the feeling, the need to carry a gun. But when you're in a space like Percy Warner Park or Centennial Park, where, yes, it is legal, it just doesn't seem like that would be the, the go-to move when a dog is coming at you. Um, maybe we need to talk about more different ways you can deter dogs. Definitely spray is helpful. Um, they also make a tool called a pet corrector, which is like an air horn, essentially. Um, and those are definitely great for getting dogs away from you. It's kind of similar to a bear spray situation. So um, anything that can mm-hmm. can take the place of a gun, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to advocate for. Now, Will, we have just about a minute left. I do want to give the last word to you. I mean, we're really not attempting to get into a conversation about gun safety and gun control, but it's really hard to separate those things, right? So... You know, give us some perspective as we move forward. We got just about 40 seconds left. Sometimes you can have a, a right and still be wrong. There's nobody There's nobody here saying that, no, that uh, you don't have a right to carry a gun and protect yourself. But that doesn't mean having a gun in your pocket still isn't wrong, particularly when it ends with a, with a dead animal. There's one aspect that I'd like to briefly touch on. And that's this, that one of the accounts said that the one of the dog owners uh, with blood on his hands went over and embraced the shooter. That's a humbling thing to, in a moment like that, to be forgiving of it. Mm-hmm. And I bet the owner learned that from his dog. I want to thank my guests, Will McGuire, musician and columnist for The Tennessean, and Abigail Hindman, owner of Darkwood Dog Training. Thank you both for being on the show and talking through this very, very complicated issue. Really appreciate it. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Elizabeth Burton, who also handled the live tweeting. It was directed by Char Dastin. Laura Boach is our technical director. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation does not end here. You can tweet us, as always, at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram. Tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, and be good to each other.